I'm Dr. Hernan Murdoch, and with me is Scott Lyons, who has an extensive background in cybersecurity. And I am very interested in people's backgrounds and how they got to where they are today. And Scott, I will be fascinated to, to, to find out from you in terms of your background, where you grew up, and how mm -hmm. that upbringing shaped your character and your priorities uh, in life. So uh, uh, that's, that's a great question. Uh, I, I was originally born in Northeast Pennsylvania, right? Uh, moved down to Virginia uh, with my parents. Uh, my father was an electrical engineer. My mother is a sociologist, right? Which presents a very, very, very weird upbringing, right? <laughs> on one hand, you've got mathematics and you've got logical and critical thinking. And then on the other hand, you've got stuff that's more flighty, mm -hmm. right? Uh, more theory than anything else. Okay. So having both sides of the fence really, really helped going through college and everything else. Well, well there's been so much talk about STEM fields, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And the science and math and all of that. And you definitely have built your career around it. But yeah. I find it interesting as well that you do have that influence in, in, in uh, liberal arts and communication and sociology and so on, the individual. So I think that that is an interesting compliment because in many respects in a profession, we are trying to better understand how those things converge, right? So as far as uh, your entry into this field, then mm -hmm. tell us a bit about how that happened. How did you end up getting into cybersecurity? Um, well, I started with computers when I was two. <laughs> okay. Right? Very, very young age. Uh, at seven, I was, I, I was writing code out of a book, mm -hmm. right? Looking at characters and fumbling my way through all of that, right? Uh, and then at 14 to 17, you know, I was writing, writing full-blown pro programs. Okay. Right? Uh, I went to uh, Penn State. Right. So we are right. Mm -hmm. uh, went to Penn State and got my bachelor's at Penn State and a 4.0 master's with honors at Capital University in information insurance. OK. Uh -huh. Right. Uh, and then recently I've become uh, 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 the president to the board of alumni at Penn State mm -hmm. for information systems. OK. Right? So what we're doing is we're not only driving alumni infusion back into information systems at Penn State. Right but we're also driving how technology is viewed as a whole throughout the entire university, right? So uh, micro to macro mm -hmm. and being able to look at all of this from a programmatic perspective, a scholastic perspective mm -hmm. and a alumni perspective has been wildly entertaining. Okay. Now, that's interesting because, of course, like, like you said, the, the, the convergence of the science and the humanities, right, the individual and understanding that, but you're also talking about uh, education mm -hmm. and, and raising awareness, right? And that's a very important thing, too, because quite often in cybersecurity, we talk about all the technical aspects related to it. And, it, of course, there's a lot of it. Right. But quite often we find out as well that the human element is as important, if not more important, because of course people may do something that is unwise yeah. and jeopardize all the things that have been done related to that. Now let's talk about auditors and, and sure. how auditors fit into this world. Sure. So one of the things that we have been pushing quite uh, uh, consistently for a long time, we're talking decades now, is the, the, the risk aspect in everything that we do. Yeah. So with that being uh, there, what are some of the key things that auditors need to do to more effectively work with the technical 
group, right? right. With, with, with those in, in cybersecurity right. in particular. Right. How can we as auditors work more effectively with cybersecurity experts so that together we can harden the organization, strengthen and be better prepared to, to, to create value? Sure, sure. And that's a really great question. Uh, the route that I would like to start into that is my personal favorite area of cyber as a whole is incident response and forensics. Okay. Uh -huh. And the reason being is because I love a really good challenge. Right? <laughs> it really gets the theoretical juices moving, mm -hmm. right? And it allows me to look at things from a very abstract point of view. Okay. Right? But in understanding what the details are behind that abstract point of view, it also gives me the ability to look at things with a uh, almost a tin eye, mm -hmm. right? Into the who, what, where, when, how, and most importantly, why something's happening. Mm -hmm. And that lends itself to being this almost the same view as auditors. Okay, yes. Almost the same view, mm -hmm. right? Because in forensics, we're going down checklists, we're going through systems, mm -hmm. right? Auditors are doing the same thing. They're basically doing a forensic review of a system utilizing a known set standard of good practices. And that might be the FFIEC CAT. It might be NERC SIP. It might be the 853, right? The big mm -hmm. baddie from NIST and, and, you know, the big gorilla in the room, right? It may be 171 for cloud or the CSF or the RMF, right? The cybersecurity framework or the risk management framework to really boil down for businesses where they stand from a risk perspective. Uh -huh. right? So what we're really doing here is we're taking auditors from zero to hero in cyber in a very short amount of time. Right. Why are we doing this? Because we need these auditors to be trusted. Mm -hmm. We need them to understand what they're being told. And we need them to have a point of efficacy so when they're sitting across the table from a battle-hardened IT guy who's been doing this for years, right? Right? The battle-hardened IT guy isn't going to look at them and say, "Well, you're just you're just here because, you know, I've been told you're here and you you know nothing about it." No, no, no. Right. We need our auditors to be able to go toe to toe, to be able to say, "You're giving me fluff because I know you're testing me." Mm -hmm. Right? But let's get into the nitty-gritty of the system. Oh, you're telling me this? Well, I'm thinking this because of my knowledge. Have you done it? Yes, no. Okay. Right. So, so, the, so the importance of competence yes. is very, very key here because, Massive. I mean, it's, it's not only something that the standards talk about and the code of ethics and all of that, but it's, it's, it's essential to be able to see eye to eye and together move in parallel to support the organization, as opposed to just talking in, in, in very loose and uncertain terms and not knowing exactly what's going on. Yeah, trying to make something esoteric, not esoteric, Mm -hmm. right and pull theory down into practical application auditors are really good at this right okay. they're also really good at being the pain in the butts mm -hmm. right and being the sticklers for process and procedure right and saying if it's not covered in policy is it actually a thing and documented and, exactly. and you can show that it's happening exactly. and consistently being done Interesting. Now, let's talk about the practical side, because we were feeding on this thing that you just shared, which I think is very, very important. So from a practical perspective, then, what are some of the projects or a project that you have worked on that has helped you really see this and you extracted a lot of lessons from it? There's there's 
so many, so many. Um, when I was going through Penn State, I, 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 we'll, we'll start there, right? Okay. Uh, when I was going through Penn State, I remember that it was coming for capstone time, right? Which is the class that helps you pull all of the things that you've learned, mm -hmm. right, into one delivery. Right. right? And uh, it was around capstone time, right? There was another course that I was taking on programming, and I had somebody who was an acquaintance at the time log into my computer, steal my code, and then submit it oh. as theirs. Uh-oh. Right. That would be betrayal. Right. Massive betrayal. Listen, I understand if you're in a bind, I'd much rather you come to me and tell me you're in a bind so I can help you right. rather than you trying to profit off of my work. Right. So what did I do? I went in and did the forensics. I did the forensics on my own machine. Ah, right. Set up the drives. Okay did the imaging, carved the drives, pulled the access logs, mm -hmm. and handed it to the teachers. And said, this is what happened. This is what happened. This is why things look so similar. No, we're not cheating. It was my code originally. So you can pretty much guess what happened to that individual. Right. Well, right? plagiarism and well-documented, yes. Well, and, and all the other things that I go wish, around it. I but... wish them the best of luck in, in all of their endeavors. But, but you turn a, a very bad situation mm -hmm. into something that really helped you and, and from a character perspective basically saying okay this is not the end of it let me basically step above and beyond yeah. that yeah. and address it in a constructive way uh, as best i can you know my friends will tell you that i marched to the beat of my own drum mm -hmm. right and what i love are really good challenges right okay give me a really good challenge and just let me go okay right well, that's a, that's a, that's an important thing too, from a, a developmental perspective too. That that uh, uh, discipline, that self drive and motivation, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and, and and not being uh, afraid of challenges because that's how we grow. So I think that those are also very important uh, attributes that we should also um, seek to develop yeah. and, and and strengthen it within ourselves. You know, a lot of the career advancement that I've had is because I'm not afraid to be bold. Mm -hmm. Right. I dare to be bold. Okay. Well, I, in audit, we sometimes refer to the need to be courageous, which I think is yeah. very closely related to that. Well, let's take a short break. And when we come back, we'll continue this conversation. Thank sure. you so much. Tired of trying to schedule your team's time around in-person learning? Isn't it a bummer to spend thousands of dollars on travel for professional development? What if we said you can save money and time and still provide your team with the best training possible? The answer to your woes is live online training from ACI Learning. With live online training, we provide our top in-person courses in private, online, instructor-led formats. You get to provide professional development in a manner that fits today's expectations. Entertaining, convenient, and effective. Our exam-aligned courses inspire the full potential of your team. Visit virtual instructor-led training at ACI Learning for more info. Let's continue our conversation with Scott Lyons as we're talking about cybersecurity and all the different things that auditors need to know to better work with them uh, uh, in a collaborative fashion. So let's pick up there. So in terms of collaboration, which is something that we talk quite a bit in, in the audit profession, how can auditors better collaborate with cybersecurity experts to help the organization move along? Real blunt and upfront, learn the lingo. Mm -hmm. Learn okay. the acronyms, right? Okay. These days, we see a major influx of people coming to cyber. And in fact, it has predicated a lot of people to start saying, well, we have a cyber skills gap. Yes. Right? Yes. I don't think it's that way. I really, truly, firmly believe it's a skills mismatch. Right? So it's not a gap, right? Because a gap's 
detrimental. A gap is uh, alarmist, right? We have a skills mismatch, right? We have all of these people over on the left that want to enter into cyber. Then we have all of these jobs. Notice the, the size, right? All of these jobs on the right for really highly specialized senior people, mm -hmm. right? That have the skills that the junior people want, uh -huh. right? So it's not a gap. It's just a mismatch. Okay. Right. The real question is, is how do we take the people that are coming into cyber and pair them up with the seniors? Mm -hmm. But they have to show that they want the job. So what are some of the ways that they can demonstrate that? Is that getting mm -hmm. certifications uh, that's related one to of that? Them. Mm -hmm. That's one okay. of them. Another one is going on Amazon and picking up a book and start reading. Right. Another one is build a home lab. Right. If people these days want to get into cyber security, right, they're going to have to face, in some cases, the catch 22 that we had to face of you have to go work help desk. Mm -hmm. You have to go sit on the, the you have to go be a sock monkey. Right. Right. Uh, to borrow the term from the industry. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, basically, you work in a sock on really weird hours. Right. OK. Uh, or security operations center. You have to put in the work no matter where you go with what you do to show that you want the success. So that'll be tough for auditors who are working on financial operational mm -hmm. compliance reviews and to get that experience. So is that something perhaps where shadowing others as they're doing their work, rotation programs, maybe getting assigned to a project where they can be part of the team mm -hmm. and understand their role, but just be very observant of what happens well, there. Well, small businesses really have a problem with being able to say you, you know, one person, one role, right? Because small business money needs to come in the door. Everybody wears multiple hats. The CEO and the C-levels end up being the chief cooks and bottle washers at the same time, mm -hmm. right? But when you move to mediums and larges, mediums and larges have the propensity to be able to say one person, one job. So why don't we take these auditors, and you were right, get them to shadow these people, mm -hmm. right? Immerse them, put them into the culture. Okay, spend time in there. Exactly. How do you learn Spanish? How do you learn Russian? How do you learn Chinese? Immersion right? is the best Immersion way. Immersion yeah. is the best way and most natural way to learn this. Right? Now, are you going to be an expert at speaking those? No. Or, but are you going to know what you're doing? Yes. It will accelerate that process exactly. significantly. Now, in terms of duration of these rotations, because it, it, as much as we talk about it, mm -hmm. there's a wide range in terms of you know everything from a one project only, which I think will be too limited for what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Six months, one year. What do you think will be a, a reasonable amount of time to get them warm enough understanding and, and, and fairly good conversant about these topics. Well, realize like I'm coming to the table here with 30 plus years of experience in doing this stuff. Right. Right. And doing IT. Right. So for them to be at the level of a very highly seasoned and skilled professional. Oh, no, that'll take we, years. Yeah. We're never going to expect that. But right. What we are going to expect is whether it's three months, six months, a year, whatever time you spend with the cyber folks, mm -hmm. right? You're building a rapport with them. Mm -hmm. You're understanding what their drivers are and who their stakeholders are inside of the business. So if you were to advise, let's say, human resources on mm -hmm. a program and sure. a chief audit executive on a program, what would you say would be a reasonable starting point? Four months? It could be. The problem is, is that it all depends on the business and the requirements of the business. Okay. Uh -huh. So have so have a plan. So you say, okay, if it's going to be four months, make it worthwhile. Exactly. If it's going to be six months, make it worthwhile. Exactly. Okay. All right. And compensate as such. Uh huh. You know, incentivize people. 
you want to keep people around today. You want to keep them motivated and moving. You incentivize people. Okay. Right? Carrot stick thing, but more carrot than stick. So don't just say we have a program, whoever wants to come, come. Exactly. And then you come in, you go through it and nothing happens. Make sure there's some kind of a career benefit, if you will, yeah. to doing it. Interesting. Very good there. Uh, let's talk about... Um, in terms of uh, the advice that you will give people, I think that this is probably a, 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 a preamble to that, right? It's, oh, you're it's throwing me a softball now. <laughs> <laughs> but I keep thinking about all the people whose careers are still evolving and, and maybe early stage yeah. in their career. Yeah. And you're saying, well, you know, you have 30 years or so. So you're thinking, okay, so as I try to chart my career and think strategically about it, yeah. what are some of the things that I should know? What kind of skills should I pursue? And what kinds of oh, experiences should oh, I try to get? Oh, you're really throwing me a softball. Whoa. <laughs> um, any technologist that understands business, uh -huh. cyber, tech, and finance. Mm -hmm. Dangerous individual. Very Watch knowledgeable, out. very broad horizontal understanding oh, yes. of how things relate to each other. Oh, yes. You know, it's interesting because in the profession, we've talked quite a bit about the, the challenge we've had with people who are business auditors, that, and yeah. that encompasses the, the financial, operational, compliance, and so mm -hmm. on. And then we have the IT auditors. Mm -hmm. and, and over time, we talk about... Uh, uh, integrated auditing and, and, and people with those different skill set and try to build that integrated auditor who knows technology and knows yeah. the business and how valuable that individual becomes. But IT is not the same as cyber. So yeah. what you're basically highlighting is the fact that as much as you can, try to get that cross-experiential knowledge and in the aggregate is going to make you very knowledgeable and and, and marketable because we're yeah. talking about career development here. Well, understand that it all comes down to exposure. Uh-huh. Right? How much have you been exposed to what at what point? Yes. Right? You know, it's, it's interesting because if you run your own business, then by the school of hard knocks, you get an MBA in small business administration. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? You learn all of the problems. Right? That's why they say founders, right? Founders who have never started a business before and have never run a business before, who have never exited a business before, are 70 to 80% more likely to fail, mm -hmm. if not higher, mm -hmm. right? But those numbers high. are severely decreased if you're dealing with founders that have exited a business. Understand, it, under, understand though, right, that there are seven ways to exit a business, <laughs> Yeah. right? And it's not just the, I'm going to sell it off, you know, there are varying degrees of exit and yeah. each exit teaches you not only about yourself, but also about the business, the vertical and who your suppliers were yeah. and who your customers are. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to really think through it. Exactly. There are a lot of different things exactly. about it. Uh, when it comes to 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 uh, people who are in cybersecurity, and again mm -hmm. in the workforce in general, but we're we're focusing here on cybersecurity, there's a lot of stress. It's a it's it's a very uh, challenging environment, and and the risk to the organization is mm -hmm. significant, mm -hmm. and the the people who are trying to do harm to the organization in many ways, right, individuals and people, but uh, and and the organization itself and its assets. There's a wide population of people, organized crime. I mean, it's very complex, very sophisticated. How do you handle some of that stress? What are some of the things that, is it music? Is it yoga? Is it exercise? Is it cooking? Is it guard? What kinds of things help you de-stress and refocus? Sleep. 
No, uh, I've I actually uh, uh, um, I, I my friends will tell you that I have mastered the power nap. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right, that I can literally sleep at a at a given at a given notice, right okay. moment's notice, uh, no matter what's going around, right, no matter what's going on or any of that, right. Um, sleep is one of them, right? Making sure that you're eating, mm -hmm. right? Making sure that you're trying to decrease as much outside effector to your life as possible, uh -huh. right? Making sure that you have hobbies and outlets for any stress that you may incur, right? Yeah. Making sure that you have a good relationship, not just with your coworkers, but with your boss and your boss's boss, mm -hmm. right? Making sure that you're hitting the hallmarks inside of your job to, to try to decrease as much stress as possible. The problem is, as technologists, we are constantly connected to computers, right? And we constantly have, our, we constantly have executives breathing down our necks, mm -hmm. saying, is the system up? Right. Right. So the question is, is can we automate that task? Right. Mm -hmm. Is there uh, uh, is there a way that we can step away from the pain and the trauma yeah. of having to be responsible for billions of dollars in some cases? Well, exactly. That's it. Right? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and say to ourselves, I'm going to take a personal day. You know, you know, maybe the answer is to do four tens. Right. Mm -hmm. So four 10 hour days right. and, you know, Monday through Thursday, take Friday off. Right. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, three day weekend. So four on three off. Right. Right. Yeah. Maybe the answer is swing shifting. If you if you're into that sort of oh, thing. Right? right. That's not for me. That's why you got the reaction. Right. Maybe. Maybe it's to have your job work from home 100 percent of the time. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. In an environment where you have all of the creature comforts that you need to be able to do the job. No matter how we deal with stress, we should always, 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 always be talking with a professional. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Anxiety, stress, cause and effect. Mm -hmm. That's not a dirty word. Yeah. None of that is dirty word. Neither is therapist. Yeah. You know, there are more than enough apps out there that you can go to to get help. Yeah. And if you feel that you're going down a rabbit hole where things are not as they were and you don't feel the way that you should, you notice that something's off, please go seek help. Yeah. Well, you know, Scott, I, I really appreciate it. And, and, and you started with, the, with sleep. Yeah. And there are so many studies that, that basically say that that is such an important aspect of wellness. And then from there, you, of course, you branch out into so many other areas. And I really appreciate you, you looking at that from that perspective, because we need to acknowledge the fact that we are individuals first doing a job. We're not just workers. We're people who happen to work yeah. and making sure that we are taking care of ourselves so we can take care of our relatives, loved ones, and the organization that we work for and with. So... Scott, thank you very much for helping us better understand these complexities and how we can do a better job and take care of ourselves so we can help our clients better. It's been fascinating. Thank you so much. 